Hello, hello, my loves, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. I'm your host, Shannon, and I needed some fresh air. So uh, you're going to hear some birds chirping because I'm outside on the patio just trying to breathe. Um, It has been a heavy, heavy week. Nothing fun has happened. Let me just say that. Like, I'm scouring the news to see what we can talk about. And I typically like to talk about light things because, you know, the theme of the show is it's things that we would chat about if we were having cocktails in person. And nobody wants to talk about deep shit while they have cocktails in person. But deep stuff's all that's really been going on. I've been dealing with work and uh, trying to get things situated with myself professionally. Um, So that's been taking up a large amount of my time personally. Um, And then just trying to line up some other things, some projects that I'm working on, and hopefully some things that I can announce in the near future. But so I've just been really, really busy and overwhelmed. Uh, Let me tell you, listen, not to tell you too much of my business, but I actually uh, treated myself. Was it a treat or was it a reading for Phil? I had a reading with a medium, this guy, Jonathan, the medium. He's very popular on Instagram if you've not seen him. And I came ready with like questions. I was going to, I was going to ask about career and family and all this stuff. I had so many things. And instead he just drugged me in the spirit, just read me for filth and said, ironically, you know, he's never listened to the podcast. He didn't know me from Adam. Uh, that I need to work on forgiveness, which seems to be a running theme in my life in this podcast. So I'm in the middle of reading this book called Radical Forgiveness that he suggested. Uh, so it's been, you know, it's, you know, I've been doing a lot of soul work, long, long walk, and trying to be a better person. Boo. Uh, absolutely no fun trying to be a better person. <laughs> Being a better person sucks. It's not fun at all. Um, try to work out more and just grow in a positive direction. So uh, that's what's been taking my attention. I'm going to just go ahead and dive into why things have been energetically heavy for myself and for tons of other people of of my community. And that is... Um, The verdict with the Derek Chauvin trial and the murder of George Floyd. Last summer, if you were under a rock or you just were in a pandemic and tried not to pay any mind, uh, you know, last summer we had a lot of protest and a lot of uh, uprisings because the police in Minnesota, Minneapolis, Derek Chauvin literally put his knee on the neck of George Floyd for an extended period of time and murdered him over what the suspicion of a counterfeit bill nothing that is actually uh, a murderable offense right so I'd been avoiding the trial to be quite honest because I knew I could not bear to watch this man put his knee on George Floyd's neck and his hands in his pocket Repeatedly, I just knew I couldn't deal with it. Um, and people have been watching the trial and I've been watching them Facebook and live tweet and talk about how brave many of the witnesses were, uh, the responses of the EMT and how rare 
it was to see officers testifying against officers, you know, sort of breaking that blue line, as they love to say. Um, so the verdict came in. I watched that and I felt like my, I was holding my breath. You know, the same day I had to go into downtown to, to work with a client and I was thinking, oh Lord, if, if this goes the way historically things have gone, I may get caught in a protest, in a riot, right? But to our surprise, they actually found him guilty on all counts. Now, how sad is it that we had to have uh, multiple videos from multiple angles and several experts in a trial that, you know, before we called a thing a thing, but we called a thing a thing for the first time for most of us in our history. And I've, I've never seen a cop go to jail for doing brutality like like that. So so they revoked bail. We were all happy. And I, and I was watching MSNBC and I saw a few people. Uh, I forget this man's name. He's a professor at Morgan State. And he was like, I'm still not happy. We got to do this again. He was like, you know, this is one trial out of many. Like, yes, we're glad it went well. But this the fact that we even had to have a trial let you know that America is not where it needs to be, that as a, as a black person, I still don't feel safe. Justice after you die, you're still dead, right? And I, I, being the way I am, wanted to say, okay, but just give us a day, right? Give us a full day of feeling like, ooh, all right, something good happened before we put on our, our marching shoes again, right? Like, Black people just need a win and we need a rest. We need to feel safe collectively. And before I got home that night from from working with my client, we didn't even get three hours, man. We did not even get three whole hours before we had another name, another incident of police brutality. Um, I could be saying her name wrong and, and forgive me if I am. Makia Bryant, 16-year-old. Um, I'm being told that she was in a fight, in a bullying situation, uh, called the police to get her out of it. And when the police arrived, she had a pocket knife out and was trying to, I guess, defend herself, right? And the police shot her four times. There's video, of course. And... I'm trying to be gentle in my wording because this is going to be addressed mostly at our allies and people, or the blacks, or the blacks are saying, well, this is not, you know, she had a pocket knife out and, well, you know, the cop only had this much time and, and blah, blah, blah. This ain't that. And I don't want to call you stupid because <laughs> you're not stupid. You're not. You are doing what we have been trained to do, and that is to judge ourselves, judge each other, and certainly to judge young black women harder than we judge anybody else in this country. You're doing what is in, it is the oxygen you breathe, it is in the air. You're doing what you've been trained to do, what we've all been trained to do. Okay, so the cop came up, saw her with a pocket knife on that girl. What would you have done? Well... Why don't we ask what they did with Kyle Rittenhouse, a young 15-year-old white boy who was a part of some uprisings and insurrectionist sort of behavior and shot two people with an assault rifle. 
and managed to not just not be shot and murdered, he was not brutalized. He was peacefully arrested. They shared water with him. They made sure he was hydrated. And he was there to murder people, okay? There was no there was no question about it. What about Dylan Roof? Also another person who was a murderer, a mass murderer in the Charleston shooting. He got peacefully arrested and got a snack and was not underage, young man, but certainly not a 16-year-old child. They didn't just pump bullets into him. Uh, either one of these people who were carrying guns. And, you know, we always jokingly say you brought a knife to a gunfight. The, the, the joke of that is that a knife, though dangerous now, I'm not playing like pocket knives ain't dangerous. They are dangerous. But a knife is no comparison to a pistol, a rifle, an assault rifle, uh, a gun. So my issue is not whether or not you think she was perfect because y'all love, a, you know, we are trained that African-Americans must be perfect victims before we can fight for them, protest for them. I mean, this is the same issue we have with, what is it? Is it, I don't know if it's Reese. it's not Reese Taylor, but what's the lady that, uh, there was a situation in which a woman did not give up her seat on the bus before Rosa Parks and no one got behind her in protest because she was a young unwed mother. And so they picked Rosa Parks because she was more palatable and met some more societal standards of being a nice, light-skinned, married woman. They picked her to protest and support. And I just want you to know that like, when you say, oh, well, we I don't know if we can support that because she did have a pocket knife, you're kind of doing the same thing because in spite of her having a pocket knife, in spite of her being... Uh, maybe not your perfect, innocent, okay, she was wrong in that moment, victim, that's not a murderable offense. Police brutality is not whether or not the victim is perfect. It's whether or not the officers acted really in their best judgment. And I understand that it's hard to be a police officer. I understand that it's hard to be a first responder. You're dealing with life or death situations on the regular. But I need to understand how you know how to de-escalate and you know how to peacefully arrest people that are extremely dangerous. But when there's a black person, the immediate response is, I got nervous and I shot you. That's what I'm saying. We cannot start getting cute and choicey about, oh, well, no, 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 not that victim because, because, you know, she had a pocket knife. No, 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 not that victim because, you know, he, he, he really cut up in kindergarten. No, 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 not that victim because blah, blah. When we do that, we justify police brutality. The fact of the matter is there was a short period of my life. And when I say short, I mean maybe a week in which I thought about being an attorney. I looked into taking the LSAT and it told me, no girl, not you. But it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of research, it takes a lot of studying and understanding the laws in order to represent someone in court. It takes even more experience and studying and research and hard to and, and hard work to be a judge. And the judge is the one who issues sentences and things like that, right? It does not take any of that to be a police officer. They have training, right? 
But when an officer comes into a scene, immediately says, I think that person deserves to be shot and killed, then we have one person who has the least amount of training who is operating as literally judge, jury, attorney, and executioner all at once. And that's what needs to be addressed. We have teachers that are dealing with people Makia's age. I don't know what high school you went to, but fights used to happen at my high school. And our teachers were better trained in how to de-escalate these scenarios than officers of the law, people that we need to protect and serve us. That's a problem, guys. And when you nitpick about, well, I saw the video and she had a pocket knife, and so I don't think I should I should defend, you know, and you're starting to justify why it happened. You're opening a floodgates to being OK with different types of police brutality. When we demand that everybody be perfect, more perfect than the people who are actually tasked. With a job, when we're asking citizens to be better behaved than the people who are literally trained to carry out the law, that's a slippery slope, because what are you going to do that people justify your death for? Are you perfect? Would you be perfect in every scenario? Is there a time? I'm from the South. <laughs> Everybody has a grandma, a big mama, an auntie, a cousin, uh, an uncle that they tell some sort of fun story now, in hindsight, because that person's like 70, about when they were young and how somebody tried them and they got with them. And we all kind of laugh about it in hindsight. So what happens if you know, you are in a situation and somebody puts your, you know, and you don't behave the way you're not thinking of everybody marching for you one day and you fight to defend yourself or, or the cops walk up on you and you are not the perfect victim. Do you want people quibbling over you one day if something, God forbid, happens to you and you have to say, oh, well, that one time I did have, you know, I, I have a concealed carry weapon license, but that's not justification. Well, I, you know, no. We cannot demand more of citizens than we're demanding of the actual paid and supposedly trained law enforcement officers. We certainly shouldn't be demanding more of 16-year-old girls. Okay? A 16 Can you imagine a world in which two blonde 16-year-old girls, maybe in a trailer park, I'm not saying they got to be fancy and rich, are in a fight and the police officers think to shoot into the crowd because when you shoot at someone you could have hit he could have shot the other children four shots can you imagine officers shooting at little white girls you probably cannot and i've seen some people bring up kyle rittenhouse and then some people black men saying well that's not the same situation you damn right it's not the same situation because there's no way makia could walk around with a giant assault rifle and have lived to tell the story. The fact that she couldn't walk around with a pocket knife and live to tell the story should let you know it's not the same thing. So stop trying to justify or or police or respectability politic yourself to the point that you are weakening the case of justice for your damn self, if we want to be honest. There's no excuse for shooting a child, period. Not when we see them consistently peacefully de-escalate situations with non-black children with non-black girl children we see them do it every time when a young black when young white men shoot up a whole damn school they end up killing themselves because the t 
the officers know how to de-escalate then, don't they? So I'm saying that to say we need to start interrogating ourselves and our feelings. And why is it that I feel like this child doesn't deserve justice? Not saying she's a perfect child. Not saying she handled everything perfectly. <clears throat> you know, there's a way to say, yeah, maybe she should have been arrested. Yeah, maybe she should have gone to juvie that day. Maybe, maybe you know, that could have ended in her, her being in handcuffs, yeah. But not in a body bag. Our death should not be the first resort. Shooting us should not be your first option. Why are we expecting teachers to have better de-escalation skills with violence than officers of the law? <clears throat> and what adds to that is that there are times when we have, as black people, legitimate needs to call for help. And a lot of us are scared to call for help because we're scared that they will make it worse instead of better. Think of that. In this case, supposedly Makia called the police. I'm sure she regrets doing that. God rest her soul. However, <clears throat> you think about the fact that there are times when we... Ask yourself if there have been times when you, as an African-American, may have needed help. Perhaps a friend was in mental distress. Uh, perhaps, you know, somebody was in a slight, maybe an abuse situation and you wanted to call the police. And instead of calling for help, you thought, oh, well, I don't want them to kill I don't want them to shoot, but if we don't act perfectly, what's going to happen? In the in the aftermath of the Derek Chauvin trial and the verdict being read, they had an interview on MSNBC with a young lady, and she was na Native. She was Native American, and she said that she was brutalized when the cops came and did a wellness check on her. A wellness check. You're here to make sure I'm well, but I'm worse off when you leave. America, we got a problem. We have a problem. The system is not, I can't even say the system's broken because it is formed to be this way. We all know that the police officers that we see today come from a legacy of slave patrols. That is not built on protecting and serving anybody, but certainly not protecting and serving people of color. We got to start this whole thing over. That's why people are saying abolish. They're not saying abolish because we don't need any safety. We're saying abolish because how do you keep building on a bad foundation? How? If a home has no foundation, if the home is built literally on a sinkhole and I'm Floridian. So we know that every once in a while, the earth just decides to open up and swallow everything in it. When a home is built on a sinkhole, you can't come and say, well, let's just put some money in and doctor it up. You got to knock that bitch down and start over. And American policing, as we know it, the American justice system, as we know it, has been built on a sinkhole called racism, bias, it is built on a sinkhole and we keep trying to patch it up and patch it up. And maybe if we put some black officers, well, you're training them to judge each other. They, we have been in so much of our, Ooh, this is probably going to shift into this too. So much of us as African-Americans in this country, we also have been raised stewing in this sea of self-hatred. 
And so we've learned to look twice, to measure twice our own people. Instead of saying justice for all black people, some of us don't want justice for all black people. We want justice for the talented 10. We want justice for straight men. We want justice for cisgendered women. We want justice for well-behaved people. We want justice for people that don't wear bonnets outside. We want justice for people that do what we want them to do. And what we want them to do is to appeal to our standards of white excellence. And when they don't, we're like, oh, shit, I got to abandon you because you're embarrassing me. We, a lot of us are guilty, of it, myself included. A lot of us have internalized that. And I need us to stop because when we say that it's okay for you to do that to my cousin... Because she a little hood. Because she wear her bonnet outside. That's not creating a sense of real justice for all black people. There is no caveat for equality. And we've got to stop accepting that as people of color, as black people. Saying, oh, okay, yeah, but not that one. We don't want, I ain't even march for that one. And I joke around about who I'm not going to march for. Because, I mean, that's fair. But at the same time, we have to internally check ourselves and say, why is it that I'm literally okay with this person being murdered? Because they didn't behave the way I think they should behave. We got some unlearning to do. We've got a lot of unlearning to do. And when I say unlearning, I don't mean, you know, everybody act wild and lose your mind and don't behave yourself. I'm still real bougie, real saved and real churchy. But I still have to analyze sometimes where do those thoughts come from? Where do those choices come from? Is it because that's really what I like and that's what's best for me? Or have I internalized hatred and judgment towards my damn self? And I say of myself because I cannot disconnect myself from Makia Bryant from Rakia Boyd, from Sandra Bland, from Corinne Gaines. It don't take much to be a black girl that people don't like. It don't take much to be a black woman that people think have too much mouth. It doesn't take much to be a black woman that people will sit home and armchair quarterback about how you could have been nicer or more polite or sweeter or more educated or a little less uppity or a little less ghetto or a little there's so many things that people will find a reason not to like about us so I can't separate myself as a black woman from any of them because all it would take for me is to get pulled over and have the wrong officer and me say the wrong thing and I'm thinking to myself how many of y'all gonna sit around and think oh well if Shannon had just Or if she just did, no. Stop that. Stop that. Brutal force should not be the first outcome when somebody say something you don't like. Or somebody, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying when I say we have unlearning to do. We have unlearning to do. Cause y'all don't armchair quarterback these black men that are being killed, but that's a whole different, it's a whole different rant. It's still not right. Some things, yes, you you should be going to jail. You should not be murdered in the street every time a cop sees you. Period. So that's what's been on my heart. 
these last few days, it's been heavy, heavy boots. And, you know, my suggestion to everybody is to try to protect our energy. I've really had a come to Jesus meeting with myself this week and realizing that I need to do a better job of protecting my energy. Being empathetic towards people is a good trait to have. And I think it's one that I have. I care a lot about people. I understand how people feel when they're sad or when they're whatever, but I have to do a better job for me of not taking it on and being sad. And, and you know, cause I'll make myself damn sick cause other people sad and sick. And it's not healthy and I have to, I have to find strategies. So if you're listening and you are <laughs> very, very, very good at protecting your energy, that doesn't mean not being open or not communicating or not being supportive of other people, but being able to say, okay, that's your problem. I'll help you with your problem, but I'm not taking it into my, my, my mind and my soul. If you're very good at that, give me some tips. Cause I, I realized this week that that is a struggle for me. That is a struggle for me, and I don't want to hold on to it. I keep telling you, I'm on a journey to be a better bitch. I really am. And <laughs> and it's hard. It is really hard trying to grow and trying to shift my mindset and try to open up and be in a different headspace. But I'm, I'm working on it. Y'all know I'm slow and steady wins the race with being a better person. Uh, so I am trying, but I'm clear on the fact that there's a lot of unlearning that needs to take place for myself and for many of us when it comes to the internalized hatred that oppressed people end up getting as women, as people of color, maybe LGBT people, you know, those stereotypes get pumped at you so much that you start to judge yourself by somebody else's standard. And when you do that, you learn to not like you. You do. And if we say that we believe in a God that doesn't make mistakes, then how can we say that we need to fix all these things that inherently came from him? He made you. That's not is is it is it that you need to change or is it the society needs to catch up? Mm, lots of things on my mind. So that's what's going on this week. I'm just, you know, all over the place. I'm trying to get people houses. If you want a house, call me, girl. Call me, man. <laughs> and uh, just working on some things. I had the pleasure of going to uh, our dear friend, friend of the show, friend of my, my real life, Kalia and Lene's Singer's Brunch. Um, and she, it was her second Singer's Brunch in Tampa. And it was just nice. It's always good to be around other good women. Uh, with similar interest in building that sisterhood. You know, a lot of times when you are in entertaining and performing and, and all that sphere, it gets very competitive. And so people don't like to cozy up. They see you as a threat. But one of the good things about um, hanging out with Kalia and, and doing that luncheon is that it's a chance to have good camaraderie with other girls. And I love sisters. So, so it was just a really, really nice event. But that's what's going on. It's been a dead week for good news. <laughs> I have not had anything really funny to talk about. DMX passed away. That was sad. Uh, yeah, it ain't really been a fun, fun gossipy time. I'll wait on Jen Shaw to do something else. I'm sure one of the housewives will do something. <laughs> and then we'll get back to the fun. As always, this is a little short thing because I didn't want y'all to miss me too bad. You can message me at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. You can send me a voice memo. 
send me a voice memo. Link in the description box. Uh, and uh, if you want to be a guest, if you have something you want to talk about or you want to share, let me know. I love you, babies. Have a good one. Be blessed. Mwah.